morning, everybody. And uh, yeah, 401 this afternoon. That's, uh, man, that's the last class. And some of you are ready for that today and hope to see you there. Most of the teams are meeting today. And so if you're already on a team, uh, check with your skipper if you think you're not, because most of the teams will be meeting. And uh, if you've been going through the growth track today, you get to actually connect with the team and connect with a it doesn't mean that you connect and you got to stay with that team, but it means you get to connect and see if that's the team for you. So I hope you do that. Also, uh, small groups are kicking off again in a couple of weeks, and uh, we've got a big slate of small groups for this next uh, semester. But the information is already on the website. I think it went up this weekend, so you can go to the website and start checking out small groups, trying to figure out which one you kind of fit into and uh, which one works because it's got the schedules there, what time of the, uh, what time of the day, which day of the week. And also, uh, it lists the, the, uh, the people that are leading those. So uh, go check those out. Start, start praying about it, thinking about where you need to be, because everybody needs to be in a small group. There's a whole lot of stuff that cannot happen here in this hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half that we have together. Just a whole lot of stuff, that, because there's a whole lot more life going on out there than just this little bit of time. You need to be a part of a small group. And I'm going to mention small groups in the sermon today, uh, I guarantee it. Let's get to this last message. Um, Really, I've uh, been looking forward to getting this. I've teased you about it the whole series. We're going to talk about weapons. We're going to talk about weapons. Okay, we're talking about weapons today. And uh, this, is a, this sermon is a series all by itself. I mean, what we're covering is really a series all by itself. We don't have time to do anything except just hit the high points. But in the early service, man, I just could not resist drilling down into some of them. Uh, I don't know if y'all understand the term, but in... In accounting and bookkeeping software, you drill down into something and find out what the detail is behind the transaction or whatever. That's 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 what I couldn't I couldn't stop myself from doing uh, in early service. I just wanted to get deeper and deeper because there's so much there. So let me say this: I'm going to hit high points. There is so much more you need to understand about these weapons that I'm going to say in the next thirty. I hope thirty-five minutes. There's so much more you need to understand. The only way you're going to get it. Is you got to get in your Bible and you got to find it, or, or connect. You got to get a, become a part of a small group that is uh, drilling down into this stuff, or, or find a good Bible study, something that'll help you with that. And if you you need help with that, let me know and I'll help you find some of that. But you, you've got a lot more work to do to understand these than just what I'm going to say to you this morning. But I want to give you the weapons real quick. But let's have a word of prayer and get in this message. Father, I love you and I thank you, God. Right now, I say this, God, because of everybody sitting around and hearing me right now. I want them to know, God, I give you glory for what you are doing in your kingdom right here in our midst. God, marriages that you are saving, uh, God, kids that you are rescuing, Lord, and salvation experiences, God, uh, miracles that you are working, God, just over and over. But, God, we feel, we feel in our spirits, Lord, just that little tweak, God, just to know as you tell us, God, that we have yet to see, this is just like the tip of the iceberg of all that you can do for us. And I pray, that there, I pray again, God, that there is somebody in this place right now, that there are many in this place right now, that will decide they don't want just a taste. They want every single thing that you have for them. They don't want just a marriage. They want a great marriage. They don't want just a future. They want a great future. They don't want just, uh, God, a job. They want a great job. They don't want just friends and relationships. They want great friends and great relationships. So God, help us right now to suit up, get ready for the battle, get out there and win the battles of our life, God, just get, to get every single victory, every one that you've laid out for us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so this... Uh, uh, sermon series, we're kind of playing off a, a video game, Call of Duty, 
And one of the first things you've got to do is you got to, you might think of selecting how you're going to play. It's called selecting a class. You can actually even create the class, uh, the soldier you're going to be. But they're already, they've already been created for us, so we don't create those. Now, if we relate that to our lives, some people, they fight as themselves, okay? And that's one of your problems. You've been fighting as yourself. It ain't working, is it? You've been trying to fight these spiritual battles as yourself, on your own terms and with your own abilities, and then it's not working. Or some people try to fight as somebody else. They see somebody that's uh, kind of got it all together, you know, and think, man, they, 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 everything's working in their life. They're winning all their battles, and so you, you start trying to copy them. And, uh, you know, to an extent, we talk about following others as they follow Jesus. So, you know, I, I guess I hope I live before you a good enough life following Jesus that you can follow some of the things. But you're not supposed to copy me. You're not supposed to be fighting all your battles and copying me. Now, you can, you can fight like a mercenary. You can fight like a gorilla. I mean, you can fight wrongly. You know, you can fight cheap and those kinds of things. Or you can fight the way you were intended to fight, and that is as a Christian. And as Christian, and, and, and this, this may sound really, really simple. It may sound, be simplistic to you there, but we need to get this. Is that we weren't destined to fight like anybody else. And you, you'll see people out there fighting their battles and fighting them wrongly, and they're messing up. You'll see, you'll see them messing up. You were destined to fight as a Christian. The weapons we're going to talk about this morning, those are your weapons. They don't belong to anybody. They belong to you. As a Christian, if you fight as a Christian, if this is the, the class of soldier you choose to be, a Christian, these are your weapons. You get to use every one of them. And there's not another set of weapons out there. These are your weapons. So you need, you need to get this. Is we don't fight like anybody else fights. We, we, don't, we don't fight with anybody else's rules, anybody else's weapon. This is the way we fight right here. So let's get into it. I'm going to tell you about a few weapons. We're going to spend most of the time on the first ones because we start with the primary weapon, and the primary weapon is prayer. So since we start with the primary, we're going to spend a little more time on it probably than any of the others. But prayer is your primary weapon. It's the main one. Sun Tzu, the uh, uh, ancient Chinese military uh, tactician, he, he said, never start a battle you have not already won. Now think about that. That's pretty good, isn't it? How many of those do you think you're going to win? Come on, right? I mean, if you've already won it, then you're going to win every one of those battles. So never fight a battle you've not already won. And here's, here's the way I heard it a long time ago, because this is a little spiritual take on what he was saying there, is you always win the battle on your knees. The battle is fought on your knees before anybody sees the battle going on. The battle's fought on your knees before anybody even knows there's a battle going. You're fighting and you're winning the battle on your knees. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, in, in the Bible, Jesus uh, had a, a really good friend when he was, you know, he was God, but he put himself in flesh to come here and live among us and, and die for our sins. And, and as, as he wandered here on the face of the earth, he, you know, he uh, called disciples, those, but he had a really, really good friend named Lazarus. Now, Lazarus died. Jesus shows up after Lazarus has been dead four days. They've stuck him in a tomb, put a stone in front of the tomb, and uh, Jesus is about to call Lazarus back to life. Okay, he's going to call him back to life. And, and I've heard a lot of sermons on him calling Lazarus back to life. I've heard a lot of sermons on some of the things that went on right there around it. But I want to show you something, okay? I want to show you something about this battle, because that's a pretty big battle. Because death had a hold of Lazarus, and Jesus told death, let go of him and let him come back to life. 
But I want you to see something. Just before, just before he, he uh, goes there to the tomb and calls him out, it says, uh, he, Jesus tells him, take away the stone. So they took away the stone. This is John 11, verse 41 and 42. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You see that? Past tense. He's not beginning his prayer right here. He's already prayed. He's already talked to God. He said, I thank you that you've already heard me. But, but look, he goes on. He says, I knew that you always hear me. But I said this, I'm praying right now, out loud in front of all these people, for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. He's not trying to get in touch with God about Lazarus right now. He's already done that. He's already been in touch. They've connected. God and Jesus, the Father and the Son, they're one in this. They've decided, here's what needs to be done. They've prayed about this. Everything's handled. Everything's good. And now he's there, and he doesn't even need to pray. But you know why he prays? He prays so everybody else knows. Okay, God, I just want everybody to know we're in this together. Father, we're in this together. And, and, and so that's the only reason he prayed. The battle was already won. When he calls Lazarus, it, it's not the calling. And I've heard sermons on, uh, on, on the way Jesus, you know, what he spoke there and things like that. that. That wasn't the battle. The battle wasn't fought there standing at the tomb. The battle was fought way before he got to the tomb because Jesus was already connected with God, his Father in heaven, and, and they already worked this out. And that's where your battles are going to be won. Uh, in Judges, uh, I don't have time to tell you the, the whole story of Gideon. Let me tell you enough of it so you get it if you don't know the story. But Gideon was, was called by God to deliver Israel from the, the armies of the Midianites, this huge army that had come against Israel. And, and Gideon didn't want to. I mean, he kind of argued with God a little bit. He said, I don't know. I don't know about this. So they talk. They go back and forth. They talk. You know, a lot of, a lot of people say, I, I don't know how to pray. Well, you know what Gideon was doing right there? When God spoke to Gideon, Gideon spoke back to God, and God spoke to Gideon. And Gideon that, that's prayer. It's communication. And so, you know, I have people all the time tell me, I don't know how to pray. Pastor, I don't understand how to pray. When you tell me that, then that lets me know that you know how to pray. Because prayer is communication. And so when you tell me that you don't know how to pray, you're communicating that to me. That's what prayer is. It's just communication. And, and so during this time, Gideon and God are talking before the battle takes place. And on the night before the battle, when God does give them a major, major victory, on the night before the battle, if you don't know the story, you need to go there and read it because it's pretty cool. It says, during the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. I'm going to give it into your hands. It's already done, Gideon. The battle's won. I've already decided. This thing's over with. You've got the victory, okay? But in case, he, and he told him in the, in the verse preceding this, he said, just in case you're worried about this, get up and go because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. Here's what happened. He gets into the enemy's camp, you know, all these tents around. He goes up next to where one of the, one of the tents is, and he leans over, and, and he hears them talking. And so he leans over to hear what his enemy, two of the enemy soldiers in this tent, are saying to one another. And one of them says, I had a dream. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp, our camp, our camp. It struck the tent, one of the tents, with such force, the tent overturned and collapsed. And the other soldier in the tent said, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. You see what happened? Is while God and Gideon were talking about this, God was already working this. And the night before Gideon goes into battle... God has already put such a fear into the soldiers of the enemy that they already know they're whooped. They already know it's over. 
You understand this? Your enemy knows the battle's already over. He knows the battle has been won. But a lot of times we get out ahead of God and we run in and we don't fight this fight through prayer before we go and fight it. And there's a whole lot of problems that happen with that. We get out ahead. I mean, you know, like some of you need to go in and talk to your boss tomorrow. You know, you need to, you need to deal with some things before you do it. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about because Jesus had one of those times and he's our perfect example. Okay, Jesus is our perfect example. The night before he was going to be crucified, and remember, he is God that has come in the flesh. You know, it's like, it's like a piece of God came down here and, and, put, and, and took on a fleshly body to, to walk around here and experience everything we experience, let us see who God really is, and die on the cross of Calvary. I mean, that's, that's what it was really like, okay? And so, now Jesus is God, and he knows tomorrow he's going through this, and his flesh is saying, oh, I don't know if I can handle that. When they, when they put that nail in your hand, that's going to hurt, Jesus. That's what his flesh is. His flesh is thinking about how bad. That's going to hurt a nail through, my, through my, uh, my hand here. When they put that crown of thorns on my head, as God, he knew that was going to happen. And his flesh was saying, that's going to hurt, Jesus. And when they nailed him to the cross and they raised that, raised that uh, cross up and they drop it down in the hole and when it hits with that thud and rips the skin from, from his hands and his feet, he said, Jesus, this is going to hurt. I mean, his flesh is screaming out, this is going to hurt. And when, when, they, when they beat you with that cat of nine tails 39 times, and before they even put you on the cross, man, that's going to hurt. And so his flesh was crying out, I, I don't know if I can deal with this. And so Jesus, what does he do? In, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with, he took with him Peter and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and he began to grieve and be distressed. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. What he's telling them is, Stay right here and pray with me. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And this is the flesh crying out, I don't know if I can handle this. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came back and found the disciples sleeping. And he said to Simon Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus knew what he was talking about because his spirit was willing to go to the cross, but his flesh was saying, I don't think I can do this. So Jesus went back and prayed again. And he prayed the same thing the Word tells us. He came back and found the disciples asleep. He woke them up again. And he went back and prayed the third time, and he prayed the same thing. You know what he was doing? He was getting that flesh under control. He was fighting the battle before he went to the cross. Imagine if the next day he had gone to the cross without fighting this battle over flesh. I mean, we see it right here. I mean, the flesh is just trying to tell him, no, don't go to the cross. This is going to hurt. You're not going to be able to handle this. Imagine if he had not dealt with this the night before, and as they're nailing him to the cross, the flesh is screaming out, I don't think we can handle this. Call for the angels. Get off this cross. You've got to deliver us. You know, we, 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 can't, we can't handle this. That would be what he was dealing with in the middle of the battle. That's why you don't wait to the battle to start fighting. But you fight the battle, and you win the battle before the battle begins. Some of you got to go talk to your boss tomorrow. Maybe you got one of these days kind of like Jesus has got. And you know a bad thing's coming tomorrow, right? 
you better get the flesh under control. You better get on your knees. If you got a meeting with the boss tomorrow, you better get on your knees because you know what's going to happen. You know some things ain't right, and you want to tell your boss. You go in, and, and you don't have the flesh under control, and you tell the boss where, you, because you, re- you really want to go tell the boss where he can go. Come on, somebody. Say amen or whatever. You know, come on. You want to tell the boss. And if you don't get flesh under control, you go in and talk to the boss tomorrow, you're going to come home without a job tomorrow afternoon. Because you didn't get the flesh under control. Now, here's, a, here's one thing. Jesus, as God, he, this is something he's got ahead of us. Because he knows. He knew the night before that he was going to be crucified. He knew everything that was going to happen to him the next day. Therefore, he knew I better get, to get, I better get on my knees and pray. And he got on his face before God. He said, I, I, I've, I've got to get this flesh under control. I, I, I know that I can't handle this if I don't. And so he knew that tomorrow. And he said, but I don't know what I'm dealing with tomorrow. Because Jesus knew about tomorrow is why he went to prayer. Because I don't know about tomorrow is why I must go in prayer. I can't wait until the battle shows up. And that's the problem with a lot of people. We're waiting till the battle shows up, and then all of a sudden we want to start praying. Oh, God, you got to help me in the middle of this. And you're in the middle of a battle you haven't even thought about fighting yet, much less won. And Jesus is saying, the Word of God is telling us, I mean, it's over and over and over, if we will go to battle in prayer in the first place, we'll win the battle before the battle even, before the battle even starts. I mean, Noah. I mean, how did Noah save his family? How did he know how big to build that boat? Nobody had built a boat that big until the 1800s. Nobody knew how to tell him how big to build a boat. And how did he know it? Because of prayer. Abraham, you remember what Abraham did with Sodom and Gomorrah when God told Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Then Abraham started praying to God, and, and God was talking back to him. And you know what? Abraham, Abraham he kind of, he kind of, uh, he kind of dickered with God over this thing. I mean, he, he really made a deal with God, and he got God to agree that if God could find ten righteous people in Sodom, he would not destroy the city. God couldn't even find 10, so he still destroyed the city. But Abraham was able to win God's heart over a city that if he could just find 10. Abraham was able to change God's mind, to change God's heart over that. Now, now, the end result was it was still, they had to make the decision. Sodom and Gomorrah still had to make the decision. But Abraham was able to change God's heart for a city because of prayer. And that's where some of you are. Is you need to change God's heart for a city or, or for a child in your family or for a situation in your home, for something at school or, or in a relationship that you're in. You need to change God's heart and you can through prayer. Or like Esther. And Esther adds a whole new dimension to it. Because uh, this thing she does is the attachment to your primary weapon. And when you, when you, you know, you got your weapon, you know, your primary, and you take an attachment, you add an attachment to it, you have just added a new dimension to the weapon. And she adds the, she adds the attachment of fasting. And fasting is the, it, it is like the primary attachment to your primary weapon is fasting. Show it to your, now she knew, she knew she had to go talk to the king. And it's dangerous to talk to the king. So she said, go gather, Esther 4, 16, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. 
She knew she had to get flesh under control. Let me, let me tell you this. This is, this is what fasting does. I mean, when you're praying, and you're, you're praying over this flesh and trying to get flesh under control, and you're praying over these things, this is what fasting does. Fasting is t- telling your flesh no. I mean, when your flesh is saying, I'm hungry, and you say, no, I'm not going to eat, you're telling your flesh no. You're getting that flesh under control. You're saying, you're saying to the flesh, you are not in charge today. I am. And once you get in charge, you don't ever relinquish control. But you fast on occasion, so you keep that thing. That's what she's doing. She was getting that flesh under control because she knew. If, she, if I go into the king, and I'm thinking, man, I just heard that he's going to allow somebody to kill all my people. You know what? You, you kind of want to go into the king and say, are you crazy? You know, that's the kind of thing gets your head taken off your shoulders, right? When you go tell a king, are you crazy? Have you thought this through? Are you an idiot? Why would you make such a declaration? That's the kind of thing that'll kill you. And so she knew she had to get the flesh under control. So what part of the flesh in your life is not under control? Come on. Amen or oh me. Somebody help me right here. What is it you, you struggle with? Maybe it's a certain temptation that you fall in every single day. Maybe you've got anger issues. Maybe you've got uh, depression issues. Maybe you've got guilt, condemnation. What are your issues? If you don't get them under control, you're going to lose the battle because of those things. Fight the battle through prayer. Throw some fasting in there. Tell your flesh, no, I am in charge of this thing and win the battle. And then once you win that battle on, on your knees, get up. Let me, I, I was thinking... I was thinking as we were singing this morning, I was thinking God was just reminding me of times that I've watched this happen in my life. Of the times where I thought I had the answer, you know, and I run off and I tried to handle it, man, it just fell apart on me. And the times that God spoke to me and said, here's what I want to do, and I, and, I, and I stayed in prayer and I stayed in prayer, and I didn't go to battle until I knew exactly how he wanted me to handle it. And man, it was, it was, just, like, it was just like that dream that Gideon heard that man tell. It was like things just started falling down right in front of me. Boom, boom, boom. Why? Because I was in line with God's will. Fight the fight through prayer. So let's go to our secondary weapon, or our sidearm. You know what your sidearm is? That thing you keep close. It's the Word of God. It's the one thing we want to keep closer than anything else. And it is so powerful. Let me show you how powerful your sidearm, the Word of God, is. Okay? Uh, Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire? Have you ever read the Word of God, and man, it just burned you up on the inside? You're, Woo! That's strong. I can't handle that. You ever felt that way? If you've ever read the Word very much, I guarantee you, every once in a while it burns you up on the inside. It burns some stuff out of you. So, oh, man, I can't handle that. And that's why a lot of people quit reading the Bible. Because they say, this is too powerful for me. Oh, you're missing it. You don't understand what's going on. You're learning an awesome lesson when that burns you up like that. Uh, the end of that verse says, it, my word's like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. Oh, does it ever break you in pieces? Does the word ever just, man, just break you in pieces, crumble you down, and make you feel about this tall because of the way you treated somebody or did something or, 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 or something wrong you did or some sin you committed? Yeah. Oh, the word will do that to you. But here's what you need to understand. Is the word does that to you. But if you, if, you will, if you will deal with those issues as God brings that word into your life and burns that, begins burning that out of you or crushing that out of you, if you'll deal with those issues where the word isn't, you know, it's going to always tweak you a little bit. It's going to always pull some things out of you. But if you will deal with those major issues and, and start getting them out of your life, what you're going to un- begin to understand is the word is not just something that does something to you. The word is a powerful weapon that can operate for you in all of your battles. 
And so this Word that is like a fire that is burning you up on the inside and cleaning you out, this Word is also a fire that God can use and you can use as a weapon to destroy the works of the enemy in your life. It is like a hammer that goes out before you and crushes every enemy in your life. And so don't see it as something that destroys. No, it's something that cleanses and purifies and gets you ready so that then you can take this and make it your sidearm weapon. Like the example of Jesus Christ. Remember when, when, G, uh, when Satan came to tempt him? And he tempted him. He, said, he, he, he told him to do something. And uh, we know Jesus was tempted more than these three times. But every time he was tempted, you know what Jesus said? He said, it is written. Satan tempted him. He said, it is written. Satan tempted him again. He said, it, it is also written. And Satan tempted him again. He said, for it is written. Over and over. His sidearm. Every time Jesus came, to, every time Satan came to him with a temptation, Jesus shot it down before it even got started. It was, a, it was this, it had it right there, put it right back up, you know, ready for the next one. What you got, Satan? What else you got on me? You know, what, you know, he had it, and, and listen, don't ever go into battle with an empty holster, an unloaded gun. You know, or, uh, you know like Barney Five. Those of you who aren't Andy Griffith fans, I'll have to tell you. Barney Fife was a deputy. He had, he, he had a gun, but he had one bullet, and they made him keep it in his pocket because if it was ever in his gun, it was liable to go off, so they made him keep it in his pocket. And he only got to put it in his gun when it was one of those situations that, okay, this one probably calls for the, uh, the bullet to be in the gun. Some of you are there right now, aren't you? This is a situation. You're in a situation right now the bullet needs to be in the gun. You need to take it out, take it out of your pocket. The bullet needs to be in the gun. You need to get it there. But, you know... Here's the thing is, you got to own the bullet first, don't you? I mean, how, you, don't, you, 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 can't, you can't pull the weapon out. You can't fire the weapon if you don't have the bullet. And, and how did Jesus know? I know Jesus is God, but what he is teaching us, he's teaching us what, what, what the psalmist David said. He said, your word, O oh God, I have hidden in my heart that I will not sin against you. I've taken your word and I've hidden it in me. I've got it. My, my weapon is loaded with the word of God, so when temptation comes... I'm ready with my sidearm. I've got it right here. I keep it close. It's there. I mean, you see people all the time come to church with their Bibles, right? You don't see people walking around with their Bibles much anymore, except those of you got smart apps, right? On your, on, or you got apps on your smartphones, right? I mean, you got your Bible with you everywhere you go. But can I tell you something? Just having it on your hips is not good enough. It's got to be in your heart. Or you, want, you, you don't know what to call forth. You don't know what to speak. You don't know what, to, to, you don't know what scriptures. Uh, what, the pastor said a scripture. No, you don't need to, to just have the scriptures that I give you on Sunday. You need to find your scriptures. Can I give you one? Can I give you one? Some of you have prodigals in your family. You've got, you got somebody in your family that's not a Christian. You've got a, you got a kid that's walked away from God. You've got parents that have never known God. You've got a, a favorite uh, cousin or uncle or somebody, and, and you want to see them saved. Can I give you a scripture? I believe, it. I believe in the promise of household salvation. Okay, There's not a scripture that, that says it exactly like some people want me to give it to it, but uh, let me just show you just a little bit of it right here. Okay, uh, In Acts chapter 6, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm skipping over that. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, uh, Paul tells a man, he says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. You know what you need? If you have somebody in your household that's not a Christian, you know what you need to do? Say, that's my bullet right there. You need to get that bullet, put it in your gun, and keep it on your side. And the next time you walk by their bedroom, you need to just shoot that door and say, It is written that my household shall be saved. The next time they call you on the cell phone, you see their picture on the cell phone, just shoot. 
It is written, everybody in my household is going to be saved. If you have a prodigal, you need to take that one. That needs to be, that needs to be the bullet in your weapon. You need to keep by you. And every single time you can think of to use it, you need to be firing it off and say, it is written, everyone in your household will be saved. And I believe that. And I know some of you say, but that's not what my need is. Then you need to go find your bullet. Get in that word. Find your bullet. What is it that you need? Some of you need a job. You need to go find your bullet. Oh, it's, there's all kinds of it. Some of you are sick. You need a healing. Go find your bullet. Go, you need to dig in find it. And if you can't find yours, ask, ask a staff member. Ask someone. And, you know, even me, I might have to, I mean, some of you may have some real deep need, and I might have to really help you dig and find one, but we can find you a bullet. There is not a need that we, don't, that we have that there's not a bullet in Scripture that you can keep on your, on your side, in your sidearm, the Word of God, to be able to defeat every single thing that comes against us. You need to find yours. And if you need help finding it, let me know. And we'll help you find it. Uh, let me get your lethal weapon. You know what it is? The blood of Jesus. Let me read you some scripture in the book of Hebrews. Your lethal weapon. Hebrews 9.22, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Let's go on. Continue on. Jesus did not, by means of the blood of goats and calves, he didn't enter by, the, by goats and calves. I mean, he didn't go into the holiest place of God with the blood of goats and calves. But he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean. That sanctifies them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, how much more then will it cleanse, that blood cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? The blood of Jesus washes away sin. What more lethal weapon can you have against your enemy than a weapon that wipes away his weapon? His, his biggest weapon against you is the sin in your past and the sin that has caused problems in your life and the sin that keeps trying to come at you over and over again. What more lethal weapon can you have against his power than a weapon that wipes away his weapon? Oh, man, think about this. This is how powerful the blood of Jesus is for everything you have. And, and I've and I got to tell you just real quickly about pleading the blood about how you, how you appropriate this weapon, how you use it, how you get it out of its holster and use it, that kind of a thing. And some people say, well, I don't know. Will you get scripture for that, preacher, of this pleading the blood? Well, I got one in the book of Exodus. Okay, now here, here's the issue. Is the Israelites were living in Egypt. And in the, in the middle of the night, a death angel was coming through Egypt, all of Egypt. And the firstborn in every house was in danger because the death angel was coming. The whole, everybody in the whole, now here's the problem though. Israel was living in Egypt. God's chosen people were there. God wanted to protect them because they were trying to live for him. They were, call, they were still praying and calling out to him. So what did he do? He gave them a plan. He said, go kill a lamb. And here's, here's the plan. Uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 12. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on the, both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. So here's what he said. You take this blood of, the, of this lamb, put it in a bowl, 
Take it out on your front porch. I don't know if they have front porches, okay? I'm just talking about we understand front porches, okay? Uh, take it out on your front porch. Take some hyssop, kind of a homemade paintbrush or, or sponge. Dip it in the bowl and then strike the top of that doorpost. Now, I don't know if you just see what happened there, and, and we're just talking about the air right here, so you can't see the painted stripe, but he just painted a stripe as he took the blood right up here. He just made a vertical stripe of blood across that door. And then he said, strike it on both sides. And as he struck it here and then went across and struck it here, he just made a vertical stripe of blood across the air of that doorway. And so what he has just done with the blood of that lamb is he has made a cross of blood across that doorway. This is an example. Everything about this whole story is a foreshadow of what Jesus Christ was going to do for us. I mean, if I was just going to preach to you from the book of Exodus chapter 12 right here, I would be preaching to you the whole thing, not just these few verses. The whole thing is just a foreshadow showing us what Jesus is going to do for us. Here's, here's what happened then. The death angel was coming through all of Egypt, and everybody in Egypt, all of their firstborn sons were at risk, except for those that had marked and set aside. And one of the things you do, if you think about pleading, like going into a courtroom, and, and, and you know, you're guilty, but what do you plead? What if you, what if you could plead, say, but somebody has already paid the price for this sin. That's what he was doing. This lamb has died so that I could live. Jesus, uh, God told them this is the way it was going to happen, and, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you mark yourself and say, this family... This house is protected because of this blood. Are you following me here? Are you getting this? Because of Jesus' blood. And what we, do, what we have now is we have the mark of the cross over our lives. And, and, and see, in everything, uh, it's not just the sin, because we believe in pleading the blood about the sin. And those of you who don't believe in pleading the blood about everything else, recognize this. Everything you face is the result of sin. There is, there is sickness in this world only because of the original sin of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. People die today because of the original sin of Genesis chapter 3. Because uh, Jesus created, God created us in Genesis. He created us to live forever. He created us to live without pain. He created us to live without sickness. And so sin is what, and so, so we're living under this sin. We're born into this sin. We, we, we commit sin before we even know we're not supposed to as little children. And we're living in this. And so that's why we need something to mark us. Say, wait, this is different. And so what you can say is, I'm no longer under the curse of sin anymore. Uh, let me cut to the chase here real quick. And I'm going to tell you men, you need to do this. You need to plead the blood of Jesus over your family. I do it every single day. And sometimes I even get out on the porch. Cindy, I don't know if you've seen me do this. My next door neighbor is, you know, is, is here. You know, Cindy, I, I've been out on my porch when something's coming against my family. I hadn't taken a bowl out there yet because it's all symbolic. You know, and I, was, I hadn't taken a bowl. But I've gotten out there and I've just said in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus. I'm, because we are marked. We are no longer a part of the curse of sin that is going rampant in this world today, even though we were born in it, even though we're a part of this world. We are no longer a part of that. We are not under that. By the blood of Jesus, I plead that blood of Jesus because we are now separated from that, and we no longer have to deal with that. So I plead the blood of Jesus against the sickness that has come into this house. I plead the blood of Jesus against the division that has come between me and my kids. I plead the blood of Jesus for peace in my marriage. I plead the blood of Jesus. Oh, Whatever the situation, for, for, the, for the demons that have come into my house against my finances, I plead the blood of Jesus. Son, sir, I, let me tell you, you need to get out on the front porch a few times this next week if you're ready to fight the battle and plead the blood of Jesus and stop the enemy from destroying what God wants to build so beautifully in your life. Amen? Amen. Go ahead, you give him a hand.
Let me read this scripture to you. I, I didn't drill down as bad as I did in the first service, but, but we could drill it down a little bit. Let me read you the scripture from Ephesians. I'm going to read this. No preaching here. Just got to read you something. One little thing at the end. Finally, be strong. This is Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and, the mighty, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor. Somebody say full. Full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Next few verses, talk about the equipment. Stand firm, therefore, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Every single thing he throws at you by the shield of faith, it's extinguished. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit your sidearm, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now that right there is another sermon series of all the, the equipment that you have spiritually against all the attacks that come against you. We don't, I don't have time to preach this. You know, Someday I need to come back to this and spend a lot of time on weaponry and this equipment. But it's not time for that today. But reading through this, let me tell you what I get out of just reading through all this real quick. Let me tell you what I get out of this. Use it all. What he says, the full armor. Every single, put to use every single weapon that God has given you. Don't leave a one home. Can you imagine going into battle and saying, you know, I just think I'm going to leave that weapon home today. Can you imagine a police officer saying, you know, it's probably going to be a slow day. I don't think I'm going to take my pistol with me. Don't think I'll put on my bulletproof vest today. Ah, uh, you know, the shotgun hadn't been cleaned in the patrol car in a long time. I think I'll just leave it. Can you imagine? You wouldn't do that. Then why in the world do we do that spiritually? Use every bit that God gives you. Whatever you're hearing today, use it. Whatever you, when you begin to dig in the Word and God shows you a scripture and that's your bullet, man, put it, put it in and get ready to use it. Everything that you get from God, everything that somebody shares with you, use it. Put it on. Wear it all. Equip yourself from head to toe with everything that you can get for God because you've got a, ba you, you got a battle that's worth winning, don't you? What's your battle for? Now, if, you're, if you're fighting battles over ice cream cones, then forget everything I just said. But if you're fighting battles over your family, over your future, over your past, over your finances, some of you need a job. Man, you need to put on every single bit of armor you've got, and every single day you wake up, you need to be fighting. You got kids, my goodness, are you looking at this world? How in the world are my grandkids going to make it? We've got a battle to fight. And we need all, every single piece of it. You ready to fight? Stand and come to the front. Let's load up.
gear up, and suit up. Get ready to fight. Prayer team in place. Thank you. Press on in so those in the aisle, we can get them out of the aisle and down in here in the prayer area with us. Got one last thing for you. One last piece of weaponry. It's really support. The video game that we're kind of playing off of calls it air support. It's the air support armory, and you have an armory. You know where it is? Standing around you right now. This is your armory. Look at, look at the scriptures right here, Proverbs chapter 11. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Talk to somebody. Let me just go ahead and say this. I'm going to say it at the end about, about Christian counseling. Talk to somebody. I read, and I, I looked last night for the guy that wrote it. I've got several guys that I read constantly. I read their stuff. And, and one of the guys, I can't remember who it is. I looked for it. I couldn't find it last night. But he said just a couple of weeks ago, he said, He said, every single leader of any large ministry in this country that I know sees a counselor on a regular basis. You know, some of you men, you need to just go ahead and admit, you can't carry the load by yourself all the time. So let me just be honest with you. Pastor's been to a counselor. A few years ago, I went to, I didn't go just see my mentor. I went to see a counselor. You know why? I got your, I got my problems. I got your problems too. Sometimes it gets heavy. Sometimes I need to go talk to somebody and say, hey, I need an outside person looking into this. Tell me what I am handling too much on my own and tell me what I need to give to God because I think I need to hold it all. So tell me. I need to go talk to somebody. You need to talk to somebody. We got, we got Christian counselors that right here in the church. You need to be talking. You need to. Victory is won through many advisors. But look at what Jesus said in Matthew 18. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done by, for them by my Father in heaven. But two agree on anything. So you know what you need? You need a prayer partner. You need somebody to agree with you in prayer. You fighting a battle? You need somebody to agree with you in prayer. This thing's over. It's, it's gonna, and it's going to be over in victory, and victory's going to be mine. You, prayer team, here, here's, if you don't know anybody, here you go. You got several prayer partners right here you can grab a hold of right now. In just a moment, we're going to start praying. When we do, if you're, if you're ready to fight a battle, get down here and let a prayer team member help you pray. Start it right here, right now. You can tell them a little bit so that they know what to pray for right now and pray for this. But you don't have to tell them your life story. They ain't got time for that. We, it's time to go to battle. You know, this isn't counseling right here. You need to go talk to somebody else about the counseling. But it's time for battle. You need to come do this. Take advantage of this. Remember me saying just a few moments ago, all and so if, if you're not coming down and letting a prayer team member pray with you on occasion, you're not doing all. You're not doing everything you can to win the battle. You need to do every single thing you can to win the battle. You have an armory of air support right here. Just call them. They'll drop in from their helicopters. Pretty awesome when you think about it. Y'all sit down. Let me preach some more there. I'm, no, I won't. Whoa. I have one more thing there. Small groups. I have one more thing. Small groups. Small groups. You know, a small group is a place where you can just let... You can kind of, will you say, let your hair down? You can let the wall down. And when you do, you get close to people, and people get close to you, and you can share, and they can share back. You can hold one another accountable, and they can say, yep, you know what? I've noticed that you haven't been reading the Bible as much as you need to be. I need that. 
I've got, I've got a few ministers in my life. I've got one I go to lunch with once a month. I've got, I've got some that I email. You know, I need them to say, okay, Rick, you're blowing it here. I need that. Okay, if pastor can admit I need that, can you admit you need that? We need one another. We need a small group. We need people that we can be real with, not just the Sunday morning where we come in and lie in the foyer. Yep, everything's going good. Had a great week. Yeah, praise God. We need people we can be real with in the middle of the week and say, it was tough today. You know, I'm a Christian, but I had a hard time not, not cussing my, my boss out. We need some people we can be real with. You need to be in a small group. You have an arsenal of support all around you. You need to take advantage, you need to take advantage of every single thing that God's got. This is, the, this is it. Listen, listen to me. I, I, felt, I, felt so, I felt almost discouraged at the end of the first sermon, first service this morning. Because I knew it was it. I knew it was over. I knew I got to go somewhere else next month. And I thought, oh, we got people fighting some real battles and we need to, we need to just go deeper and deeper. You know what? I can't go any deeper. I got to go on. You have to go deeper. You've got to suit up. You've got to gear up. You've got to do what is necessary. You've got to grab a hold of John's hands and say, John, help me pray this week. You've got to call your friend or your best friend or you've got to find a mentor. You've got to dig into the Word. You've got to say, I've got to have some help. You have to take it from here. And I'm praying you do because you're fighting some real battles. I want to see your marriage saved. I want to see your kid brought back to God. I want to see you, I want to see you have a, an, awesome, uh, an awesome impact in your schools this year, teenagers. I want to see this. And it ain't going to happen by me preaching one more sermon. It's going to happen by you saying, I'm a man. I'm a lady of God. Picking it up, suiting up, and going. Come on, bow with me right now. Come on, if you're ready to fight a battle, come, come find one of these prayer team members right now. Bow with me. Let's pray. Jamie, go ahead when you can. Just don't start singing until you finish praying. God.